Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Oh My Pod. Today, I am so excited about our guest. She's a creative mind who turned a hobby and a little side project into a full-time career, and now she runs a major social media channel that you guys might even follow, Big Kid Problems. If you don't follow her, I highly suggest you do because we all can relate to the content that she posts about, which is not wanting to adult. Before I jump in, I do want to ask about five seconds out of your day to just rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you think might enjoy this. But the only way this grows and that I can keep booking awesome guests like Sarah is from you all. So please, please rate, review, subscribe. It was my birthday last month, so you can consider it a birthday present. But now let's get to the show and learn a little bit about being an influencer, running a meme account, and much, much more with Sarah Merrill from Big Kid Problems. Hi, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I want to let everyone know, too, this is the first time I'm doing a Google Hangout interview. So bear with us if there's audio problems, but I think it's worth it to have Sarah on, and I think you guys will really like what she has to say. So can you tell us a little bit about what you actually do with your everyday life for a job? Yeah, it's kind of a a disaster. I mean, it's not a disaster, but it's like all over the place. So right now I run an account, like you said, Big Kid Problems. Um, I've been doing it for about, oh my God, like seven years now. Um, and it's, I've grown it into a business, which is kind of crazy. Really, if anybody is unfamiliar with the account, it's just, I, I tell jokes on the internet, like three to four times a day. Um, most of it's original a little bit. Sometimes I repurpose, like if I find something really funny on the internet, I will repurpose it. Um, but I do that. And Really, I've been doing that consistently, and how I've, and I've just started to monetize it. So I work with different brands. I do promotions. I do um, funny content for other um, brands and things like that, and coming up with uh, funny things that I repurpose on my account. Um, so that's really how I've monetized it, and and have kind of turned it into a business. Um, so I, I I am constantly creating content. I work with brands. I also consult in social media on the side, which is another source of income. Um, anybody who has a side hustle or is doing some kind of non-traditional job probably knows that um, you can't just have, it's not like a regular job. You can't just have one source of income. You have to have like a lot of different sources. So so that's kind of my day-to-day fluctuates because I'm always doing different projects and different things like that to kind of make a living yeah and I like I said we went to college together and this is something you don't learn about in college I actually work on the other side of the business where I would pitch someone like you so I sell like influencers content marketing promotion and we're trying to set up brands with people like you because we understand people trust consumers and other people more than they trust a brand shoving a message down your throat but I didn't learn that in college and I don't think you did either so how did you actually to realize that this was a pathway you could go down and then when did you start realizing wait I could make this into a living this isn't just like a fun side hobby anymore yeah well I think um social media is interesting in that sense because we didn't learn it in college and really you can't really learn you can't just like sit down and read about this right now because it's changing every day like that's something interesting about the industry is Literally, there's new advancements in social media. You know, like just this year, we've had Instagram stories have taken off, and that's a whole new lucrative area of social media. So it's just consistently changing. Um, so it is an interesting field to be in because it's not something that either of us have, you know, you can't really like learn about it. It's just something that you have to do on a daily basis. You have to be really ingrained in social media and go along for the ride and all of these updates and all of the things that you're just constantly learning. Um, wait, what was your question? (laughs) (laughs) No, just how did you realize that this was the path you could take? Like at what point were you like, Oh, this is just a fun Instagram account I'm running to. This is a business that I could turn into my full-time job. Yeah. I mean, I did it for, I've been doing it a long time just for fun. Like it's been, it's been, and I've, it's been a nice side income. Um, it's been a little side hustle for a long time. Really, I'd say only in the last year, um, I'm actually coming up on my year anniversary of quitting my full-time job and oh making gosh. this my full-time. That is yeah, Congrats. I think it was, yeah, I think it was uh, April last year, so I'm coming up on one year, which is crazy. I never would have thought, I mean, even like six months before I left my job, I was like, it, could this really be a business? Like, this is nuts. And every day, I'm kind of like, I, I kind of, I, I'm a very... Um, 
like risk averse person. Um, I, you know, I always, every day I'm kind of like, you know, this could end, social media could change, you know, there's a, this isn't like a, a very like set career and it does change a lot. So I always try and build my life and, and make sure that I have my hands in different cookie jars so that I'm not like pigeonholed to one thing because who knows what could happen tomorrow really in this space. Absolutely. I, I'm curious how you built your following because obviously everyone wants to have more followers and it'd be nice to get hit even 5k and, and how did you grow from, you know, this is a fun thing that I like to post jokes about to getting how many followers I think it's over a hundred thousand now, right? Oh yeah. I just hit, um, 277,000. Wow. That is crazy. So I would love to hear about that journey. Like, what did you start doing that you started noticing, whoa, a lot of people are following me and this is something that is a much bigger project than I even thought. Yeah. So, and a lot of people ask me that, especially like that, when I go into brands or when I talk to anybody, that's the number one question I get asked is how do you grow a following? Everybody wants to grow a following and it's tough, you know, like it's a saturated market. Everybody, there's a lot of competition, Um, and it does change. I think like with the algorithm updates and everything like that, like it just changes on a consistent basis. How I built a following is just consistency. Um, and people don't realize too, like this didn't happen overnight. Like I, you know, you hear those stories of like people whose accounts just blow up and like, I've always waited for that moment. I'm like, I'm going to wake up and have 2 million followers and it's going to be amazing. That's never happened for me. Um, it's been a slow and steady process of just putting out consistent content, you know, being consistent every day. You know, I'm trying, putting out something, even if I'm traveling, even if I'm like really busy, some game changing things that have really helped me build a following have been, um, getting acknowledged by larger accounts. So I create, you know, most of my content is original. So I've had like a couple bigger accounts that like aggregate content, like the fat Jewish, like aggregates funny things from the internet. Like he's reposted my content and tagged me and I've grown like 5,000 followers in a day, which has been like awesome. Um, so that's happened. I mean, I've had a couple of those like bigger accounts reposting me. Um, Betches has reposted me like a few times. And every time that happens, you're just exposed to like a, a way larger audience Um, so I'd say anybody who's trying to build a following, you know, um, working alongside other accounts, working with accounts that might have more than you might have less than you. It's kind of like a, kind of like a, you have to kind of build a community and foster relationships with other people in your space to gain exposure and different audiences. I agree with that. I feel like I just started out podcasting and I've actually asked other podcasters, like, how did you get more subscribers? And for me, it's not about even the subscribers or followers. It's just like, I want to add value to more people. And a lot of them are like, collaborate with others. It's definitely like collaboration effort versus like, I want to be the best and biggest and number one person. It's like, no, that's to your point. You have to collaborate with other people because that's how other people find out about you. And that's how I found out a lot of podcasts too, is by listening to them on as guests on other podcasts. How did you come up with the name Big Kid Problems? So this is actually something funny that people don't know. I I did not want to keep, like Big Kid Problems was a placeholder name because I couldn't think of a funny name. Like I, I, at the time, <clears throat> what really gave me the idea for it was, um, did you ever follow White Girl Problems on Twitter? Yeah. That mm-hmm. was like one of the first accounts I saw on Twitter. Like I remember it was like finals week of like senior year or like midterms or something like that. There was like some, some part of school, like where I was trying to procrastinate and I found white girl problems on Twitter and I was just scrolling through and like dying laughing. And I was like, this is so me. And it was just like little funny one-liners, zingers, whatever on Twitter. And I was like, this is hilarious. And then I was like, wait, I could kind of do this. Yeah. And then, cause like, I, I just like could think random funny things. So I was trying to think of a name and like the problems from white girl problems is like I was like, well, I don't want to be an adult. Uh, like I, I, like I'm, you know, getting ready to graduate college, and all these like adult things are coming at me, and like I don't feel like an adult. I feel like a big kid. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I came up with naked problems, and I actually like hated the name. I was like, you know, what? I'm just gonna come up with this and like think of something better later on, and then like it stuck. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, it worked out. Here you are at 277 thousand followers. I mean, someone liked the name and and went with it. So that's awesome. I want to know too about your first early wins. Like, did a brand first approach you? Did you 
when you're talking about betches and fat Jewish, did you ever go to them? Like, what were you doing to start realizing again, like, this is something that I could actually make into not only a fun hobby, but like a career? Yeah. Um, I'd say the early wins were definitely getting those reposts. So something I did, something I did, it wasn't just like they found me out of nowhere. Like I would, I tagged them and I still tag accounts in my, with my content all the time. Like accounts that I think are bigger than me that are, will think my stuff's funny. Um, I, I always tag them in my posts. Um, and that's how I, I got discovered. Like, that's how they would find my content and repurpose it. Uh, so that's like one thing I did. And, and when I started, you know, getting repurposed on these accounts and getting a larger following, it was kind of like, Ooh, okay, this is, this is working. We're getting somewhere. Um, Oh God, I'm trying to think of like my first like brand partnership and how it came to be. Ah, it's tough. I mean, it was a while ago. I think, um, I feel like. I feel like the one I'm thinking of is I worked with like a wine company and they reached out to me and they, I think what had happened, actually, this is what happened. They were, I don't know if, if any, if you know, your listeners are familiar with the fat Jewish, the fat Jewish had a wine out called white girl Rose. And I think he really paved the way for influencers to like start to kind of have their own brands. Like there became like interest around that. Like, you know, he was getting a lot of attention for it and, the wine was getting a lot of, uh, you know, a, a large following because his followers were, he had millions of followers and they were interested in it. So I got approached by that same, the same company who did his wine brand to help promote, um, like a different wine brand that wasn't just going to be mine, but was going to be like a lot of influencers were going to start to promote that wine brand. And that was like the first one. And I was like, Oh, this is really cool. The game is changing. You know, they're not, it's not so much like celebrities that are, you know, promoting brands or have their name behind brands, like influencers are getting behind this. So that was kind of probably one of the first ones that I was like, Ooh, all right, this is, this could become something. Yeah. That's like the, especially fat Jewish is to me, one of the biggest influencers on Instagram. So to even have that affiliation, like you said, it's like, this is pretty legit. I could see this going somewhere. Um, what about, I guess, early struggles? Because I'll tell you the story. When I was in college, I wanted to start a makeup Instagram. And this was when people, I thought Instagram was like a photo editing app. And I would upload the same picture with different filters each time and then screenshot it. (laughs) And people were like, no, it's a platform where people can comment. And I was like, oh, I want to start a makeup one. And people were like, that's so silly. Like, I don't get it. You're just going to post makeup tips. And look where we are now. These beauty influencers make like $50,000 a post. Um, but I got burned out. I think I was just like, I can't understand how this would last more than a year. I'll run out of makeup tips. I don't understand. You know, there's too many people like we talked about the The market is saturated. Was there ever a point with big kid problems that you're like, there's just too many of these accounts. Like no one, I don't really see this being anything other than just like a fun side hobby. Or was there anyone telling you, you know, this isn't a viable option. You should start looking at like a real nine to five. Yeah. I mean, I still have those moments where I'm like, what am I doing? This is like silly. Like I'm telling jokes on the internet. Like what, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I definitely had those roadblocks before. I'm thinking of like some early ones, like especially on, on social media and anybody who's doing something public, I'd say like some of the big things for me that made me take a step back and be like, wait, do I really want to do this is when you start to get negative comments. Yeah. Like my whole thing is I'm out there trying to just make people laugh. Like it's a, it's a comedy thing. It's not that serious. Like I want people to like laugh about their lives. And I've had people like get offended by things I've said, which, you know, in comedy, like, I feel like if you're not offending somebody, like maybe you're not like being edgy enough. I don't know, but that's never been my intention. And and there's been a few times where people have like written me like really hateful or like mean messages that like, you know, I've been like, wait, this is so, what am I doing? Cause like, if I'm not making people happy or laughing, like that's, I don't want to be like upsetting people. And I'm, and those have been like the few moments where I've been like, Ooh, do I really want to continue doing this? Um, but at the end of the day, I think like the positive outweighs the negative and I kind of have to take those, anybody who's in a, a public forum. And I think even if you're not doing it professionally, even in your personal life, you have to be like honest and truthful to who you are and say the things you want to say because you're never going to make everybody happy and you have to, you have to continue to use your voice because 
I think it's kind of sad and, and, and it happens a lot today that you have to kind of tone your voice down to fit everybody and then you lose your authenticity and that's like what makes your platform like who you who you are that's what makes people like interested in you is your unique perspective and unique voice yeah absolutely I want to touch on the negativity a little bit because I imagine when you first start out you probably want to respond to everyone and be like f off or like just unfollow me or block me did you find yourself giving into that or were you just constantly ignoring people like how do you actually deal with that today um, you know, in the beginning, so especially when I started my account, I also did not put myself in it at all. Um, I made sure I was working, you know, I had a professional career. I made sure that it wasn't linked back to me in any way. Um, so in the beginning, because I was so anonymous, like I didn't just didn't give a shit. Like I would, sorry, can I curse on you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're fine. <laughs> sorry. No, you're sorry. good. Um, I literally, I would get some negative comments and I would take the feedback. Like sometimes people like, you can always tell if somebody's like being offended to be offended or just like say some hateful things. Like I would get just like, you know, I think especially as a female in the comedian space, like you're going to get some male ego. Like some, sometimes like I would rub guys the wrong way and they'd be like, you're not funny, blah, blah, blah. I'd get some hateful things like that. And that I would just brush aside and be like, whatever, dude, at least I'm making the the ladies laugh. When I would get like some feedback that like people were actually offended and, and, and it made some like legitimacy, then I would sometimes respond or at least like get rid of, or just delete my posts or whatever it was. Now that I'm in it more, and like now that my name's kind of attached to it, I do try and get back to people more and like at least explain my 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 side or like apologize if I'm out of line or at least like let people know where I'm coming from. But it's a lot more work and it's like a lot a little scarier to be honest. Um, I think I used to get away with saying a lot more things, and now that I'm in it, I have to be careful. You know? Yeah, I feel like with today's political climate and social climate too, people definitely do not take things lightly. Um, and I want to talk too about what I feel like fat Jewish probably, um, dealt with early on in his career is like, how do you defend yourself when people call you like a copycat? Like when you're, when you're talking about repurposing jokes and using other people's content, but crediting it back to them. I mean, that's what everyone's doing. So you shouldn't be getting flack for it. But I feel like I have seen comments on meme accounts like, dude, you know, fuck Jerry just posted this or fat Jewish. How do you differentiate yourself and how do you deal with people saying like, this is just a copycat account or something like that? So I actually like, I haven't really gotten that feedback because for the majority, my content is original. Um, I'd say it's like the opposite. Like I deal a lot with people stealing my content Mm. and you have to deal with that, which is like, there's nothing worse when you like come up, I come up with something that I, I'm like so excited about. I'm like, this is hilarious. And then one of the larger accounts, I'll tag them in it and then they'll just recreate my exact meme or like whatever it is by cha- and change like one or two words around. And then they get like a million likes on oh it. It gosh. happens all the oh. time and it's so upsetting. Um, so I've dealt more with that. I think like in terms of just like, you know, and you're a creative too, I feel like you, I always just try and give credit where credit's due. A lot of times, um, so, like, the way that my account is set up, like, aesthetically is I'll have, like, a meme and then I'll have, like, text. So it kind of, like, I'll I'll, um, switch back to that, like, one by one. So a lot of my text comes from from Twitter. And a lot of the times you can't credit, you can't credit, you can't, like, link back to a Twitter account on Instagram. So I always just make sure that... Whenever I find anything on the internet that I'm repurposing, I keep the person's handle in there. I make sure that people know. I differentiate like my original content by putting my um, handle on it. And then if it comes from somebody else, I leave their handle on it too. And if it does come from Instagram, I make sure to tag them in the comments. I always I don't see the harm in right. crediting anybody. It doesn't it doesn't take it doesn't take away from people enjoying content on my page and I think you have to um, you know, give credit where it's due. I'm like always happy to. Yeah. And it builds relationships with other accounts too. Like when I tag somebody, they're more likely to tag me and it's, it makes, it makes things better. Do you reach out to those people that are taking your content and say, you know, I'd really pre- appreciate credit. Do they ignore you? Like, how are you dealing with that? Yeah. Um, you, I do that. Of course, when I find it, the thing is, is like mm. a lot of times I won't find it until like a day later or whatever it is, or somebody 
you know, shows it to me and it's already the, the, the period of time, especially on social, it's really like a window of like the first four hours. You want that, you want your, your handle in there because that's like when it's going to be seen the most by the most amount of people. So a lot of times I'll reach out to these accounts and I'll let them know and they, they'll eventually, sometimes they'll get back to me and they'll put my handle in it, but it's like two days later or whatever it is. And it's like, you lose, you really lose the value of that piece of content. Um, some accounts are better at it than others, like not to name names, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have, so. you know, some people just ignore you completely and it's like, it sucks. I've reported people before in <laughs> And I've done that and I've actually burned bridges with some larger accounts too. So you kind of have to, and I going like hindsight is 2020. I'd almost rather not burn the bridges with the larger accounts. Like it's, it's all, it's all touch and go. It really depends on like what, you know, the situation and who they are and, it's an, it's an interesting, it's like an interesting like space to be in. I was just thinking like my next question, it just made me think of, essentially this space you don't have to talk to really anyone or interact with anyone if you don't want to you could just do this all in the comfort of your home which I imagine that is what you do but then I'm sure you do a lot of networking as well have you ever been in a situation where there's a bunch of influencers in the room and you know them like I'm obviously fat Jewish does put his image very much in content like you can recognize fat Jewish off the street but are there influencers that keep I guess at what point did a you decide to start putting yourself in content and B, do you interact with influencers outside of the realm of the internet to make sure that you're not burning bridges, like you said? Yeah, um, it's interesting because I've started to put myself in it more, and like only now am I like even starting to get like recognized at all. Right. Um, I do do like events. It's, it's cool being in a city like New York where there's a lot of people doing this stuff, and I meet people. The meme. So like, I'm in like a unique space, like in the memes and comedy where there's only a few people that really put themselves in it. Um, so I haven't really met a ton of people like in my space, but I'll meet other influencers. I meet a lot of like beauty bloggers or, or fashion bloggers or a, a lot of those in New York. Um, so I'll, I'll meet people that way. And I always love it, like honestly. Um, and I think in any space that you're in, meeting people who are doing things that are similar to you, especially if you're in a in a space like this where it's not a it's a it's a very unique career path and there's no real like paved road to success I love talking to other influencers and like I actually like I get a lot you know getting it we we exchange information we're like okay what are you doing right now to get followers what are you doing like you know I saw that you added music to your story like how are you doing that like what apps are you using like there's a a huge value and talking to other people that are maybe not necessarily like your direct competitor, but are within the space that are, are doing similar things. And I've loved meeting other influencers. I always like, I always want to meet more. <laughs> yeah. That, that brings me to a question too, of like, was this all self-taught and collaborating or was there like one, I guess not moment, but one thing that you realized, okay, if I'm going to actually make this for real, I need to start either like going to workshops or like really networking and investing time and in going to networking events. Like what did you do to actually get to this point where you understand this space? Yeah, I'm always trying to do research and like learn new things in social because like things are changing so rapidly. That's actually been like a goal of mine for 2018. I'm like, I need to go to more workshops and like, do more of this stuff a lot of the things have been self-taught like to be honest it's just like being in social every day seeing things happen firsthand um another thing that I do and this is like like Tony Robbins teaches this and and I think anybody whether you're in social or any other industry can value can take value from this you don't want to reinvent the wheel like I think that you can learn a lot from from people that are doing similar things to you and basing um, you know, your next move on trying to emulate their success. So I've looked at accounts like the fat Jewish, cause I know we're using like him as an example here and been like, all right, how is he building his account? Oh, he's putting himself in it more. Like I've literally like take, looked at people who are doing similar things to me and tried to emulate some things that they're doing, um, to get myself out there. Cause if it's working for them or it, and this is for anybody in any space, if it's working for somebody else, it can work for you. Um, and you can put your own spin on that. Uh, but I've, I've taken a lot of value from that. 
how do you keep the creative wheels spinning? Because I imagine, like we were talking about, there has to be at some point you're like, I, I've made every joke or like I've spun everything a little bit. So what do you do to like keep refreshed with creative? So I'd say like, that's like, truthfully, like <laughs> my gift, like social is something that comes secondary to me. That's something I need to learn all the time. But like, for some weird reason, I am like constantly thinking of like weird weird thoughts are coming to my head and I I've been blessed with that sometimes I do go through weeks where I'm like I can't think of anything funny at all um but a lot of the times like I'll just I don't know it just like comes to me and I I always try and write it down I have like a whole notes folder in my phone where I'm just like writing down funny weird things that I think of I don't know it's like a weird brain like it's a weird a, it's ADD an brain it's that, a creative like, brain yeah that's awesome I also use my friends too a lot like I mean, I use, it's funny, like, I'm getting older now, and, like, my demo has always been kind of, like, recent college grad, like, really going through the struggles. My struggles have really changed over the course of Big Kid Problems, so I'll go back, like, I'll look at, like, my diary entries from, like, 22, 23 to get content from. I'll use my girlfriends that are, like, in the thick of, like, single life. I'll use their experiences. Like, I... I take a lot from like the people around me and just like, you know, stuff from the past and just keep on coming up with stuff. How was that transition from going from a corporate job? It sounded like you had, or at least a full-time job. I'm sure there's a lot more structure to, I'm imagining, I feel like I'm the same way as you where I'm constantly thinking of things, but sometimes it interrupts my downtime like I'll be sleeping and be like oh my gosh that would be like a really good question to ask or I need to like <laughs> I need to email these five people to be on the podcast um so how did you transition from not only nine to five to this but then when do you turn it off if you will yeah um so the transition the transition was interesting because and like I mentioned earlier I'm a very risk averse person like I like knowing that I have a paycheck coming in and I like knowing that my health insurance is covered and all of that stuff. Um, but there came a point where, I mean, I wasn't even like I, I had for all intents and purposes, a pretty cushy job. Like I was doing really well. I loved my bosses. Like I loved my coworkers. Um, but my passion and like my joy was not there. And I was really cutting into my creative time because I was so exhausted. I would put in a full day of work and I was so exhausted and I would come home and like not really be able to dedicate the time or energy to my true passion. So there came a a long point in time. I mean, it didn't happen overnight. I wasn't like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to leave my job. Like I really, I planned for it. I made sure that I saved up money for it. Um, And I think that that's important to anybody who's considering taking their side hustle full time. Um, so that was that transition. And then when it comes to turning things off, like, like honestly, that's something I struggle with. <laughs> like, it's hard to turn things off, especially like in a creative space. Like, cause you never know, you never know when create, like a creative idea is going to hit. And like we were saying earlier, like sometimes you have weeks where you don't have any creative ideas or you have total roadblocks. So whenever I do come up with a creative idea, I just make sure to write it down. Like wherever I am, Cause if you, if you, a lot of the times, and this happens to me, like when I'm walking around the city, I'll start thinking of things and I don't write them down and I forget them and it yeah. sucks. So I'm a big advocate. I always carry like my, I have like a notebook with me at all times. Like I'm always trying to write down things when it comes to me, um, turning it off. <laughs> I mean, there's times like when I'll be like in my personal life, like you know, you can get a little caught up in what you're doing. And especially if you have a project that's just like your baby, it's really hard to stop. I will make my, I will make myself stop. Like I'll use the example of like being on vacation with my boyfriend and he's like, all right, like you gotta like put the cell phone down. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'll literally like, I'll make time. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to give myself 10 more minutes to just crank these things out. Because if, if you don't like set your own limits, you know that you could, just dilly dally and do these things like all day long. Like you really like setting time parameters has been helpful in that sense. And then there's other time parameters where I'm like, all right, I need to put my cell phone down and like let go for a few hours. Right. Because at the end of the day, like you are your own boss too. So you do have to take time to not only work, but then it's not the traditional sense of this is due at five, send this to me by tomorrow. It's well, I have to make my own schedule. So how do you, 
I want to know kind of like a typical day in your life. Like what does a day look like when you wake up from when you go to bed? So it's, I mean, every day is really different. Um, part, maybe on average, you know, half my time is probably spent on consulting for other brands because that is like, you know, big kid problems and, and all of that is growing and we're, we're doing well, but like, to live in New York City, I have to make you know pretty decent income. So I'll dedicate some time into my consulting um, work. That you know, which is which is you're kind of more traditional. Like I have emails I need to send. I have like specific projects I need to work on. I am a big like I write down. I am a big like need to follow my to do list kind of person. So maintaining a to-do list is like big for me on every uh, every day like because otherwise I can just get caught up like scrolling through the internet for hours um you know uh, a part of my day is doing that it's like going into the internet like the deep webs of the internet and trying to like find funny shit or like get some inspiration for funny things um I do that I'll do um you know posting like actually just like physically creating like memes or video memes or whatever it is and putting the content out there takes a good chunk of my day up. Like I'd have to say I probably spending like at least like an hour to two a day on just like the actual art, like act of physically creating, posting the content, tagging the content, going through and liking other people's Instagrams because you want to be like active on social media. Um, so I'll spend some hours doing that on a good day. I'll do some like brand work when I have brand work to do, that's always like great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I always try and make self make time for like personal things too. Like I'm like big on like yoga and like working out and eating and yeah. stuff like that. So <laughs> Still I'll that too. yeah, I want to talk a little bit about brand partnerships because I'm sure you face these struggles too. Like I said, I work in the industry, but like pitching people like you, where my whole spin is let these influencers use what they know is the most creative and they obviously know what has helped them grow their following you know your audience best but obviously brands come in and they're like well this is exactly what we want we want it to look like this it needs to say this this and this have you faced that a lot or do you do you see brands coming to you saying you know what do whatever you want you have creative freedom um and what advice would you give to maybe influencers are are getting stuck in that position where they want to be creative but then they want to also please the brand yeah, um, definitely, you know, the brands I've worked with all have parameters. They're like, this is what we need. We want it to be, have this feel, whatever it is. Um, my space is a little unique because, like, with memes, like, I really just need to make something funny. And sometimes it could be, like, you know, it could be, like, laundry detergent. And it's, like, how am I going to make that funny? But um, you, you come up – I don't know. Like, mine is a little bit maybe easier in that sense because, like, yeah. I just – like, that's how my brain works. Like, I can, like, make a joke out of anything, like, pretty much any situation. Um, and any brand that's working with me knows that, like, that's going to be my content. Um, and they're, like, they have to be okay with, like, a meme format. It limits me. I'd say, like, it limits me with the type of brands, like, that I can work with. Um, and I think anybody in that space knows, like, if you're, like, a beauty you know, a beauty blogger or whatever it is, you can't really post about other things, you know, right. like you kind of get pigeonholed into your, um, section, but you find a way, I mean, you, you want to make your brands happy that you're working with. Cause at the end of the day, you want to do right by them. You want them to get value out of working with you. Um, and I think that if you can be creative and make it so that it fits your audience at the same time, that's like the perfect way to do it. Yeah. And I imagine some of these partnerships have, hopefully allowed you not even within the partnership but hopefully with the income allowed you to travel more i have seen you take some really awesome trips so what are some of the best i guess stories or partnerships or anything that you can share or like the best part about being an online influencer oh man the perks are sweet i gotta <laughs> say i'm like and i love it like i i'm new to like influencer life because like i said like i was never in my account and i'm only really starting to put myself in it a little bit more i think the more that I do kind of become an influencer, like the better that things happen, but it's amazing. Like there are, there are apps right now. Like I was trying to explain this to my parents. Like there are companies that are coming out and I only see that this is going out, but this is only going to increase. Like there are 
apps that are basically like link influencers with like restaurants or bars or salons and things like that. Like all of these, all of these outside companies want influencers to come to them. So literally like I have an app that I open my phone and it shows me like the vicinity of where I'm walking around in the city, what I can get for free. Like literally it's like, come have a coffee here, come get a haircut here, come get a drink here. And I'm like, this is amazing. Free everything. That'd be so awesome. Yeah. That's so fun. The perks are pretty sweet. I have to say, um, but at the same token, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to overdo it. Like I, I do see some people overdoing like posts and just like, I only want to like really post things that are kind of relevant to my audience because if you start going too outside of your, your core, you know, voice, then you're just going to kind of, you know, sell out and people, your audience isn't going to like it. So I've actually turned brands away that have wanted to work with me that if it doesn't, if it doesn't fit the category of a big kid problem, if, and, and I can get creative and kind of make things work, but if I can't make it work, I won't do it. I was going to ask, is there something that you've seen, not only yourself, maybe make a mistake that you're like, whoa, I shouldn't have done that and learn from it or that you're currently seeing influencers make, but it sounds like just maybe taking on things that don't fit within their aesthetic or their content. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely done it. Like, especially in the beginning, um, getting some brand partnerships, uh, that just don't fit. And you, you post them like I'll sometimes, and this is unique to the meme space, but you'll see memes will just post like a legitimate ad, like a legitimate ad within their content. And I've done it and it doesn't look good. Your, your audience hates it, Mm -hmm. you know, like that I think is a mistake, but you know, at the same time, at the same time on like on the influencer side, I, I like to think about like, you know, we are like somebody who's managing an account like this is putting a lot of time and energy into, you know, creating content every single day. And like, why not? Can you not, you know, post an ad here and there? Like if you watch TV, if you watch a TV show that you like, you're going to get commercials. Um, right. But yeah, you have to be careful. that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a huge learning lesson is at the end of the day, your audience is like your lifeline kind of like they're the ones that are keeping the account going. So you do have to listen to them. But then I imagine too, you know, now by like by being in this space for seven years, what actually works and what doesn't. Um, and since you've been doing this for seven years, something exciting has happened where you've ended up on Steve Harvey. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that all came to be and what you were doing for him? Oh man, that was so amazing. It's still one of like the best experiences of my life. Um, it was crazy. Uh, actually a girlfriend of mine, a girlfriend of mine, um, works in PR. I'll actually give her a shout out. Um, hub house PR, my friend oh Lindsay my gosh, from, from summer house. Yeah. From summer house. Oh my God. I'm obsessed yeah, with that she, show. Ah, okay. Those are like all my best friends. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. We need a sidebar. We're gonna have to do like a summer house deep dive and podcast, but I digress. Uh, yeah. They're great. So, <laughs> It's been a best friend, like one of my best friends for years. We used to work together in PR. Oh, cool. um, yeah. So she, she, you know, came to me and was like, I think you could be doing a lot of cool stuff with like your merchandise, like, and wanted to help. And so she put together a pitch for me around the holidays and blasted it out to her contacts. One of her contacts was a Steve Harvey producer. The producer was like, I follow big kid problems. I love big kid problems. Like, would she come on the show? And this is one of those like freak situations that do not happen very often because I had no TV experience. Usually if you're going to be a guest on a talk show, you need to have really like worked your way up and have like a lot of experience. I didn't have any of that. They're like, could she do a a screen test? So I did a screen test where I just talked into a camera and kind of like made up a segment and they were like, yeah, she looks great. Let's get her on. They booked me for this segment. I was not prepared, (laughs) you know, like, I was literally like, kind of like, it was like a fake it till you make it moment. Like, like I just got to go in, I got to be confident mm-hmm. and, and kind of go. And I went into the show, they had me do, they had me teach a social media one-on-one. Um, and because like, that's my space. And you know, the whole time, literally like that experience was so crazy because you walk into, you walk into NBC studios. It's like not a joke, you know, like this is the big time. Chicago, <laughs> Yeah, I got flown to Chicago. I got a hotel room. Like, this is all, like, you know, they picked me up in a car with my name on it. I'm like, what is life right now? Like, this is nuts. 
bring me to the studio, you go into hair and makeup, and, like, the whole time, like, the producer's talking to you, like, they're professional, like, this is a very professionally run show, so they're like, all right, we're gonna do this, this, and we're gonna change your entire segment, here's the new segment, and I'm like, oh my god, what? <laughs> so they change the segment on me that morning, you go in, you do, like, a test in front of the, um, in the studio, where, like, all the cameras are to you, they test the lighting, and, like, literally, like, I'm just, like, shaking, but, like, fake it till you make it, doing all of that did the test or whatever it looked it looked good and so it comes time to show time the audience fills in you have like 200 people in a studio audience on you you know 15 to 20 huge cameras on you producers all around and literally like there comes a point in time and in these situations where you can be as calm as you want like I'm using all my yoga techniques I'm using like breathing I'm like all right chill 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 your body, like, my body in that moment just kind of took over and, like, went into, like, a state where, like, all my saliva, like, just disappeared from my face. Like, oh, like, my God, I can't talk. Just a shock, I'm probably. I'm walking onto stage and I can't speak words. <laughs> and, yeah, it was crazy. But, like, within the first seconds, like, Steve is, like, introducing me. And within the first few seconds, I'm almost, like, it's, like, in a movie where I'm, like, blacking out. I'm, like, oh, my God, stay with me stay with me and like the first few lines when I start speaking were so hard but then after I got through those first lines I was able to kind of like push through you know like and then I started getting more comfortable and then I just went with it but it was a real it was like a true fake it till you make it moment I got through it then they ended up inviting me back two more times so it was like that's so crazy I remember I was like didn't you do it more than once that's insane I mean it shows if you can just come in with like a little bit of self-reassurance and telling yourself I'm like worthy of being here and and like you said like I deserve this I I can do this it shows like it pays off they invited you back two more times do you have anything else coming up with them or has that opened up opportunities to other things that you never thought it would yeah I mean it really opened up it opened up so many doors it made me and honestly like having that on my back and my on my back shoulder has been awesome like it's it's just given me confidence to do other things. I'm like, wow. At the time, I had always wanted to do stand-up, and I'm like, I was always too scared to get up in front of a stage. I'm like, I just got up on a stage in front of 200 people. I can go to a comedy show in front of 20, Yeah, you know, things. So it gave me a lot of confidence to, like, pursue other things. Um, it gave me, like, business leads. Like, in my consulting business, people were reaching out to me because, you know, I was a featured social media expert. Uh, so it, it opened so many doors. It was incredible. I mean, meeting Steve Harvey himself is just, like, he's such an inspiring human being. Like, I could go on and on about, like, how awesome Steve Harvey is. Like, he is just, like, the coolest man, like, hardest working man in showbiz. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, fortunately, so that they had their show in Chicago, um, which was, that's partially why I think I got lucky, too, because there's not as many... Uh, not as much talent available, you know, in Chicago. They moved their show out to L.A., and, you know, now they have, like, celebrities and all these other people that can be easily on their show. So I don't know if I'll be going back anytime soon. But it was just incredible to have that opportunity in the first place, and I'm, like, so happy, like, so grateful for it. I mean, yeah, that's insane. Like you said, everyone knows who Steve Barbie is. I actually have read a lot of his relationship books because he gives such good advice, and so to be on his show... Not even on his show, like, as a side person, but to have him interview you one-on-one. And you're the expert. Like, you're telling him, basically, what, what you're doing. That's amazing. Yeah. So, congratulations. And then Thank now you. you have merchandise. So, I want to talk a little bit about that. I assume... I, I can't even imagine where you start with, okay, now I'm going to have merchandise in an online shop. And how did that whole idea come to be? And then how did you execute it? Yeah, so that was definitely an undertaking, and and that's kind of when we when we talk about like self taught, you know, being self taught and just doing all of these things. Like this was really it was it was a challenge because like when it comes to merch, there's a lot of things I didn't know and that I had to learn, and even just like building a platform, like I had to build a website that had um, you know shopping capabilities. Like that was tough. Um, I turned to people that knew more than I did. I think that that's like in anything you're doing where you're unsure of, like use people in your network. Like I have an amazing friend who's like a graphic designer and like, is just really good at tech. So he sat down with me and was like, helped me build my blog. Um, shout out, uh, JH designs. <laughs> I'll give some credit where credit's due. Yeah. Um, 
So I got some help from some really great friends. Um, merchandise, uh, it's, it's an interesting space now because there are a lot of companies. Like I luckily found a, um, a vendor who, because there's a couple ways you can do merch, which I, I had to learn. <laughs> you can either order a lot of inventory and that's really cheap and then ship it out yourself, which is a ton of work. Um, or you can use an, a third party vendor, which is like, you know, I don't want to get into too much of the details, but, uh, basically like I design all the product and they create it one-on-one. So if somebody orders it, the product isn't created until somebody orders it and then it's mailed out from their facility. So it makes, it makes life easier. I make less money on that merchandise, but really merch for me, um, you know, it's not like a huge part of my revenue. It's just like some extra cash flow. Um, and like, it's fun. Like I like having, I like knowing that like people have a big kid problem mug in their, in their cupboard. And like, it, it, I think just builds, um, you know, some brand, some, you know, like good, goodwill towards your brand, you know? Right, yeah. So yeah. Where can people cool. find all that stuff again? Is it like bigkidproblems.com or is there a specific shop site? Yeah, it's thebigkidproblems.com. And um, there, you know, I have, you can watch me on Steve Harvey there. I have my Steve Harvey, one of my Steve Harvey clips up there. I have my blog. My blog is really um, something that I'm, I'm excited about because I've been uh, adding more content. I and, and I'm actually just opening it up to guest bloggers. So we're going to mm-hmm. have like a, a bigger flow of um, content coming through the blog and then the merch. So there's like a shop section and there's lots of funny stuff on there. It's great for gifts. Like I know... I never knew what to get, like, coworkers and stuff like that. Like, if somebody got engaged, I, like, yeah. didn't know what to get them. So there's, like, it, it's kind of, like, easy, cheap, funny things on there that are, yeah. Everybody check it out. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I've seen it there. Like you said, it's great to have, like, everyone drinks coffee whether you're in an office or not. So I've seen the mugs. They're really cute. Um, but I know you have more than that, too. I know we only have a few minutes. So I have a few more questions just on... A, trends that you're seeing, because like we've talked about, a huge theme of this is is that everything is changing. I actually deleted my Snapchat like three months ago just because I'm in this space like you. And so for me, like I had to turn it off when I came home. And so I deleted my Snapchat. And now, of course, it's changed where everyone's like, what the hell is Snapchat? But then Instagram stories came out. Now you can do all these crazy things on Instagram stories. So I know everything is changing. So what are some trends with influencers and meme accounts that you're seeing that work for you or that people are maybe doing, I don't want to say wrong, um, but that are being like phased out, I guess. Yeah. So super similar to you. Um, I also like kind of gave up on Snapchat. I didn't really totally see the value. And especially when Instagram stories came out, I was like, you know what? There's only so many things that I can do and do well. Like you don't want to spread yourself too thin. So I gave up on Snapchat too. I sometimes just use like, the filters on snapchat like i'll take a video on snapchat and then like put it through stories yeah because i do like that um sometimes better than the instagram filters but uh i do think instagram stories is like and i actually just met with um a a social media branding agency like a couple weeks ago and we had a big talk about instagram stories and how that really is like the new wave that's coming in and like a place that you can really monetize your account because um And it's been cool for me, too, because there's been things that I wouldn't necessarily post about, but it makes sense on Instagram stories. Right. So, um, yeah, like, especially, like, I, I, you know, I talk about being, like, like, my tagline on Instagram is, like, New York City girl, like, still learning to adult. So when I'm posting, I know my audience is, like, kind of spread out. And my posts, I want to be pretty general and, like, open to a lot of people. But on stories, I'll feature a lot more, like, New York City-specific things and, like, what I'm doing around the city. Um, so I think I think stories is kind of a cool place. And brands are noticing that. Brands are getting on board and paying specifically for you to feature on stories. So I think that that's, that's kind of one of the big trends that's happening now. Yeah, I jumped on Instagram. When it first came out, I didn't like it because it took so long to upload, I feel like. And then now I'm like, I feel like I get three times the views. I can write on them. They have the filters. Like, there's a lot you can do. And as we talked about, they keep updating. And now you have a blog. You have merch. You have the account. What is next for Big Kid Problems? Oh, man. Um, So there's, like, I I have, like, big dreams of the account. And I think what's on, you know, what's coming up closest is now I really want to get the website 
you know, up and running. I, I wanted to be my whole goal in this and even starting the account is like at the end of the day, I was a young adult. Like I was somebody who was coming into adulthood who like had to, when you graduate college, there's so many things like adulting things and responsibilities that happen that like, you just don't know until you're in it. And I think that's kind of crazy. Like college did not prepare me for the real adult life. Like when you have to sit down and sign a lease for an apartment and get a guarantor and like get a 401k and all of these things that like you learn. I'm like, I wish somebody had prepared me for, I wish somebody had told me. So that's really like, that's like the heart of big kid problems is like, I want to use my experience to, you know, kind of, help others in a weird way or at least like make them feel like related to and the website I really want to be a destination of like not only just relatable funny things but like also resources um and and you know if I can impart any wisdom on anything that I've learned or picked up like I want that to be um accessible to other people who are going through things so that's something that I'm, I'm focusing on now is getting the website to a better place because it's kind of been like a janky, like me trying to throw out blogs, like whenever I have it's a lot of work. second, which, yeah. And uh, I think opening it up to collaborators is going to help a lot because to, to um, everything I've been doing to this point has just been me, which is hard too. So um, I've kind of realized, I think opening it up to new people and kind of getting some help in other areas is only going to help expand the brand. Um, so I'd love that. I'd love to get a, um, I po- like a podcast up and running. I've talked to a couple, um, people about that. Um, and, and that's probably going to be like the next big step. Yeah. Lots in the pipeline. It sounds like, and I can't wait to see where this all goes. I already follow you. And like we talked about 277,000 other people do. So it's <laughs> at big kid problems, right? On Instagram. At Big Kid Problems on Instagram, I'm on Twitter and Facebook too. Um, the Twitter is actually Twitter has been like a hard, um, you know, I haven't grown as fast on Twitter. I think it's just kind of like a tough platform. Yeah. But that's where I I tag a lot of my content. Like I, whenever I come up with a funny idea, I'll just put a tweet up. So anybody on Twitter, follow it too, because you'll see some real some real stuff <laughs> that I n- might not necessarily like purpose on and repurpose on Instagram. Um, and then the website at um, it's just thebigkidproblems.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. I learned a lot. I've actually been doing this for four years, but hearing directly from an influencer that's doing this in the day-to-day um, as an entire, not only full-time career, but different platforms, like we're talking about podcasting, blogs, etc. It's been great to hear more. And I hope my listeners enjoyed too. And you guys go follow Sarah at Big Kid Problems. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks. Thanks for having me.